0: This is Jeff Billard from the Amigos Audio Collective, thanking you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
0: Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction, this is your pilot Daniel French. Today we bring you a futuristic tale from writer Patricia Keeler. This will be episode one of three, Foreboding Genetic Cast Systems in Beyond the Wall. The year is 2150. Eden is a very modern, futuristic-looking city. It's very clean, full of big, towering buildings. Very white and metallic. There is no color. Just white, with some black. There are very sleek, metallic-looking cars, both on the road and flying in the air. There are also people walking along the roads. They're all tall, athletic, beautiful-looking people. No one looks over the age of 50. However, they are wearing bland, white, gray or black uniform type of clothes. There is no individuality, and again, no color. We focus on one apartment. Like everything else in Eden, it is white, quite bland, rather characterless. We enter the kitchen. There is a man, a woman, and a young girl of about 18. The man and woman only look about 40. They are the girl's parents. The family is sitting around the breakfast table. The man is Jonathan Clark with his wife, Judith Clark, and their daughter, Megan Clark.
1: Aren't you excited, Megan? Your prom is in just under a month. No, I'm a bit nervous.
2: I could hardly wait when I was your age.
1: I don't know.
0: You don't know what, Megan? Surely. This is the moment all of you youngsters have been waiting for.
1: But were you nervous, Mum, on prom night? A little, if I'm honest. But it all turned out for the best, though. I was pleased with the choices made for me. I got your father. <laughs> And a job at the Ministry of Information. What if I don't like the husband or career chosen for me?
0: Have a little faith, child. The Ministry knows you better than you know yourself. These evaluations are never wrong. Megan Clark is sitting on a park bench with her friend Eliza Greenway.
1: To the prom, Eliza. No. Mum reckons I should be. But I'm just really, really anxious about it. I mean, this is the moment that's supposed to define what happens to us for the rest of our lives. But what but if... what if you get given a career and a husband you don't like? Exactly. My dad said he's happy with the career he's got. But I know he isn't. He hates it. But he knows that it's no good complaining. He's just got to live with it. Did you hear about Sarah's sister, Evelyn, you mean? Yes, Evelyn. She had a prom two years ago. She got given a husband she didn't really like. She started seeing this man who worked at the same ministry as her. When the city elders found out, they exiled her to the slums to live with the harnets. Oh my God, Megan. That's awful. Poor Evelyn. I know. We've we've still got a month before the dreaded prom though. What are you suggesting, Megan? Well, why don't we all sneak over the wall and spend a bit of time in the wildlands? Not a bad idea. We could camp in the forest. It'll be fun. Who are you thinking of inviting? Hmm. Obviously you, Sarah, Marianne and Juliet. Just the four of us. Well, I'm up for it. I reckon the others will be too.
0: Megan and Eliza, as well as three other girls of about 18, Sarah, Marianne, and Juliet, are all walking towards the city walls. They're all carrying rucksack-type bags over their shoulders. It is late evening, quite dark. The area is poorly lit and no one else is about.
1: The service tunnels on this side of the wall aren't usually manned. That's how we're going to get to the wildlands. We'll go through the service tunnel ahead of us. Is it dark in the service tunnel? Shh! Shut up, you numbskull! The guards in the control towers will hear us. Ouch! I just fell over something. Are you all right? Yes, I'm okay. It was just a piece of metal. We'd better keep walking. What's that? I'm not sure. It's some sort of furry creature with sharp-looking teeth and a long tail. What do you think it is? I'm not sure. Granddad talks about these horrid creatures his his own grandfather used to catch sometimes called rats. Let's get out of this tunnel. It's giving me the creeps. This will do. Let's camp here. Yes, I'm so tired. I don't think I can walk another step. Me neither.
0: The girls put up their tents in the clearing. They settled down for the night in their tents. And a noise outside the tents wakes up Eliza, who is sharing a tent with Megan. Eliza and Megan rush outside of their tents. In the clearing, two huge wolves are standing there, baring their teeth and growling at them aggressively. The other girls exit their tents.
1: Oh my god! Run! run! Where's Megan? I don't know. I I think she may have gotten attacked by... By those those things, what were they? I don't know what they were, but they looked vicious. I thought I saw Megan run off in the opposite direction. If she did, then maybe she'll eventually find her way back here. Maybe we should wait for her. Let's wait an hour or two, then. We've waited nearly three hours. I don't think she's coming she- back. <laughs> she's dead, isn't she? We have to face the possibility that Megan is probably dead.
0: Megan is lying on the ground in the forest. There are two wolves sniffing around near her body. She slowly opens her eyes. The first thing she sees is a wolf standing over her. She quickly sits up, terrified, and backs away very quickly to a tree. She's sitting under the tree with her back up against it. She's too terrified to move. The wolves stare back at her, and then they both turn and walk away. One of the wolves turns back to look at her. Both wolves now seem sad rather than ferocious. Judith and Jonathan Clark are at home. They're sitting at the dinner table eating. Suddenly, there's a loud ringing noise. The screen in the living room comes to life. On the screen, we can see the face of a man about 35. He's dressed in the same uniform that everyone wears. However, he has a badge on his chest that indicates he is a police officer. This man is Sergeant Jack Phillips. Mr. and Mrs. Clark, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Yes? Uh, Your daughter, Megan, has been reported lost and uh, presumed dead in the wildlands. They're... Must be some mistake. Megan would never go into the wildlands alone. She wasn't alone. She was with four of her friends. They came back. She didn't. Her friends seemed to think she was attacked by some sort of wild creature. Young people are warned time and time again not to venture into the wildlands, and they still do. <laughs> it's very dangerous out there. <laughs> I don't want to give you false hope, madam. She is most probably dead. We will, of course, let you know if there's any more news. Megan has now stumbled out of the wooded area and into a marshy mist-covered bog. Her clothes are torn. She has scratches on her arms and legs. Suddenly, she steps into the muddy bog, which is acting like quicksand. She's sinking further and further into the mud. And cannot pull herself out.
1: Help! Help!
2: Quick! Grab the branch! I'm all griefs.
1: I'm Megan Clark.
2: You're from Eden, aren't you?
1: Yes. Look, I'd better be getting back there.
2: Oh, you're, you're completely done in. Done in? Done in? Exhausted. You're, you're totally exhausted. You need a rest. If you try to get back down, you'll never make it.
1: Are you a harnut?
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: You're not, not...
2: Not what you expected?
1: Uh, yes. You're not really what I expected.
2: Now, I don't suppose I am.
0: Megan and Matt are walking into an area known as the Slums. This is where the Harnets live. All the houses in the slums look dilapidated.
1: What's wrong with all those people with white hair and wrinkled faces?
2: What do you mean what's wrong with them? Nothing's wrong with them, they're just old. Don't you have old people in Eden?
1: No, not really. When people get to the age of 50, they're given tablets which stop them aging. So everyone looks quite young. Really?
2: Yes. What about the man in the wheelchair? Is he old too? No, he's disabled. He was was born without the use of his legs. (laughs) Doesn't that happen where you come from? No.
1: Everyone in Eden is born perfect. Everyone is born with optimal intelligence, health and fitness. There are no disabled
2: people. I, uh, I think there's someone you should meet. Uh, I think it's best if I just take you to this person.
0: Matt leads Megan to one of the dilapidated-looking houses. Outside, there is a woman in the garden, hanging out washing. She has a baby on her hip, and from the back, she has long, blonde hair. She's wearing scruffy clothes. She turns around at the sound of footsteps. Megan does not recognize her at first, but after a few moments, she realizes... It is Evelyn Markham, her friend, Sarah's sister. Both Megan and Evelyn looked shocked and surprised to see each other.
3: Evelyn? I thought you were dead. You're Sarah's friend,
1: aren't you? What are you doing here? I I sneaked out into the wildlands with Sarah and some other, some other friends, but I got lost somehow. Matt found me in the marshes, and I ended up here. Are you going back to Eden? Of course. Why wouldn't I?
2: She can't go back yet, though. She needs to rest and recover from her ordeal. Well, I suppose you can stay with me for a
3: few days. Come on in. I'll make you a cup of tea. What's tea? Oh, I forgot. You don't drink that in Eden, do you? You take calma pills. You know, I wouldn't touch that stuff now. It numbs your mind and your senses so that you can't feel anything much. Anyway, look, let's go in and I'll make you that tea.
1: You live here? This is your house? Yes, this is my house. What happened to you, Evelyn?
3: Well, I suppose you know I was exiled here for having an affair with a married man. Yes, I've heard the rumors. When the time came for my prom, I was chosen a career and a husband just like everyone else. I didn't mind the job I was given, but I couldn't bring myself to love the man they'd chosen as my husband. I felt trapped, unhappy. So I turned to Michael, an older man who worked for the same ministry. He was kind and understanding, and one thing led to another. But then we got found out, and I got sent here. That's terrible! Don't feel sorry for me. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. You see, here you're not forced to marry someone you don't know and don't love. After a while, I met Adam, and now we're married. You married a Hormat? Don't sound so shocked. I love him. I want to be with him. But what about your life in Eden? My life in Eden? Tell me what I had that was so great. A man I didn't want and a job I couldn't have cared less about. Here I've got a loving husband and a family, and not only that, but I'm learning to be a nurse. I help sick people. It's useful work. But you wouldn't get that because in Eden, everyone is born in perfect health with no genetic illnesses. But here people get sick. They don't all live to a 100.
1: I don't know if I understand, Evelyn.
3: I know you don't get it yet, but if you stay here long enough, you will. Your prom must be right around the corner. Yes, in about a month. My sister Sarah should be having her prom then, too. Yes,
1: she is. Are you looking forward to it? No. I'm feeling pretty apprehensive about it, truth be known. I don't envy you
3: or Sarah. I'm so glad to be out of it. Still... Maybe you'll both be luckier than I was. I really hope so. For both your sakes.
2: Is Megan in?
3: Yes. Megan, Matt's here for you.
2: Want to come up to the farm and see the animals with me? Animals? Yes, I work on the farm. Oh,
1: okay. Would
2: you like to feed one of the lambs?
1: It's so, so
2: sweet. Yeah, act like you've never seen an animal.
1: We don't have animals in Eden.
2: None at all?
1: No, we have robotic cats and dogs as pets, and they grow artificial meat in the labs. So, we don't have to worry about food.
2: Or about crops? Crops? Yeah, you know, fruit, vegetables, corn, wheat, that sort of thing.
1: I think they're all grown in special greenhouses.
2: Oh, come on. I'll take you down to see the horses.
1: out around for a few days have you seen him you two are becoming a
3: bit of an item i've noticed he's not been around much the last few days because he's helping his dad out on the farm listen don't tell anyone else i've told you this but matt and his dad are really worried about the crops quite a few of the crops have failed this year that happens i don't know what we're all gonna do this winter couldn't the Hornets ask the ministry in Eden to help you out? Food always seems to be in plentiful supply there. Eden has never helped the Heart to survive, and they're not gonna start now.
1: Why do Edenians hate the Hornets so much, Evanin? Because they
3: consider Heartknots to be less than them, physically and mentally inferior. Every single person living in Eden is the result of generation after generation of genetic engineering. Me and you were born perfect in every way just like everyone else in Eden. All the major diseases have been removed from our DNA. We're all the ultimate expression of the quest for human perfection. Whereas the people here are natural humans, humans who haven't been genetically modified and they're not born perfect. They carry genetic defects. They're not all perfect mental and physical specimens.
1: But how did this division occur?
3: It started happening about 150 years ago. This was when genetic engineering first started. It began with parents being able to choose the sex of their child. Then it moved on to parents being able to screen for inherited diseases.
1: Well, that's a good thing, surely. Yes,
3: it's a good thing. No one would argue that it isn't. But you see, what actually started to happen was that only wealthy people could afford to have their babies genetically engineered in that way. Before long, the rich and famous were producing children who were physically and mentally perfect. They were leaving the rest of humanity behind so the world became even more divided between the haves and the have-nots. The people of Eden are the descendants of the haves, and the people who live here in the slums are the descendants of the
1: have-nots. Harnots? That's where the name comes from.
3: Yes, that's where the name comes from. Over time, it's changed to the Harnots.
1: They've tried to tell us over the years that the Harnots were bad people, Dangerous people, our enemies, and all this time, this division in our society has been our fault.
3: We're responsible? Well, if not us, then our ancestors.
1: You said I would start to see things differently the longer I stayed here. Well, I think you were right. I am starting to see things in a different light.
0: We are in the Ministry High Command in Eden. Commander Vera Anderson's office. It is a white room with lots of metallic furniture, glass windows on the top floor of a high skyscraper overlooking the city below. Commander Vera Anderson is a severe, statuesque-looking woman with rather masculine features and short cropped hair. The only feminine thing about her is her curvaceous figure. A lower ranking officer enters the room. This is Walter Stedman.
2: Do you have any news to report to me today, Stedman? No problems to report, except for a couple of incidents regarding the forthcoming prom. What kind of incidents?
3: Five suicides, a boy has run off with a sister's friend, a girl who started an affair with her doctor, and we found this.
2: What is it?
3: It's a jacket belonging to that young girl who was reported missing in the wildlands, believed dead. My men found her jacket in the marshy area, just beyond the wildlands. We think there's just the possibility that she may have been found by the Harnots and taken to the slums.
2: So she could be alive and living there? Yes. Should we attempt to find her and bring her back? Eventually, but not yet. We need to deal with all these other issues first. Prom season is a very busy one, and one which rarely goes smoothly. We'll wait for the prom and all that it entails to be over with first.
0: That wraps up episode one of three, From Beyond the Wall, written by Patricia Keeler. Megan Clark was Debra Cristobal. Judith Clark and Vera Anderson were Napoleon Doom. Jonathan Clark is Frank Gugliamelli. Eliza Greenway, Marion Peters, and Sarah Markham are Rosanna Jimeno. Juliet Luther is Megan Soloff. Sergeant Jack Phillips is Daniel French. Matt Hargraves is Blake Benland. Evelyn Markham is Caitlin Curtis. Walter Stedman is Pete Lutz. Please help out Chronosphere Fiction by downloading as many episodes as you can. Subscribe and become a patron at Patreon.com/slash/Chronosphere. Coming up, we'll have the next episode of Gaff Gone the Eternally Unfurnished further episodes from Dashiell Hamid in Adventures of the Federated Tech, more Port lock, and Corporate Punishment. Until next time, keep your cosmos clean.
2: Do you like thrillers, action, adventure, mystery, crime drama? Well, you're in luck, because here on the Mutual Audio Network, we have Thursday thrillers. You can subscribe and have a dose of adrenaline-pumping audio every Thursday from your favorite podcast player. Get it here now.
1: Audio Network, listening and imagining together.